I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 309 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I have an awesome guest coming at you today. As I have been telling you for quite a while now, I will be heading down to Washington, D.C. this weekend to attend and speak at the Dad 2.0 Summit. And today you will hear from the co-founder of the event, which has been taking place annually for about a decade now. Doug French is a longtime blogger, writer, and very active in all things pertaining to fathers, whether that's fighting for dads' rights or supporting dads. His articles on fatherhood have no doubt had a major impact on many dads across the country. I can't tell you guys how pumped up I am to attend the Dad 2.0 Summit. Doug French and his team work extremely hard putting these conferences together, and it is refreshing to see the role of the father being highlighted in such a positive way. Doug French will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And I will be continuing to bang out the new episodes of First Class Fatherhood while I'm down in D.C., so make sure you keep it locked in to First Class Fatherhood. Tomorrow on the podcast, four-time EuroLeague basketball star Kyle Hines will be here. Kyle plays professional basketball in Russia, where he joined me for a Skype video call. He has got a fascinating journey of being an American while raising his kids overseas, so do not miss out on that one. And Friday, former Navy SEAL J.P. Donnell will be stopping by. J.P. currently works for Echelon Front with Jocko Willink, the Navy SEAL podcaster, who J.P. served with in the teams. So make sure you follow me on Instagram, at Alec underscore Lace, to find out who will be joining me next week. All the upcoming guest announcements will be coming at you. I have three awesome dads that will be joining me. And please consider hitting me with a rating or review on iTunes or wherever it is that you enjoy listening to First Class Fatherhood. And consider subscribing to my YouTube channel. The link is in the description of today's podcast episode where you can watch all of my interviews, including my conversation with John Goslin, which has been viewed on YouTube more than 55,000 times. And as always, guys, please help me spread the word about this podcast to every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list. Let them know about the show that celebrates fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks. Family values rule, and every day is Father's Day. Right here with me, and I'm going to be right back with the co-founder of the Dad 2.0 Summit, Doug French. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Dads, are you tired of taking supplements that never deliver? Well, Redcon One was created to ensure that you get real hardcore products that deliver real results. Trusted by four-time world's strongest man, Brian Shaw, and founded by supplement entrepreneur, Aaron Singerman, Redcon One is crushing the industry. You have to try their MRE bars, which are packed full of nutritious food sources that will replenish your system when you need it most. And they taste so good, your toddler will think they're eating a candy bar. But we're talking whole food meal replacement. And right now, First Class Fatherhood listeners can save 20% on their entire order from Redcon One. Simply use the promo code FATHER at the checkout. So let's go, dads. For the highest state of readiness, choose Redcon One. Visit Redcon1.com, use the promo code FATHER, and save 20%. Joining me now, First Class Father, Doug French. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thanks, Alec. Good to be here. All right, let's start it off like this. How many kids do you have and how old are they? Uh, two boys, uh, 17 and 14. This is the one year they're both in high school. Wow, that's awesome. What kind of sports or activities are they into? 
Um, they're into, they're not into team sports, uh, officially, but, um, they're into now they're both, I don't know. Uh, my older son is into creative writing and he's into like nerding out on quiz bowl. Uh, and he attends football games and makes fun of them. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and my younger son is just, you know, just, uh, waist deep in YouTube. If that, so, you know, he's, uh, he is really into wondering what the next what the next video is going to be, what the next meme is going to be, and uh, what's the next snarky comment he can make. So yeah, it's um, it's a, it's a rogues gallery at the house. Okay, good enough. Uh, do me a favor here, Doug, if you could just take a minute to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Sure. Well, um, uh, I uh, began uh, blogging. I started out as a dad blogger back in two thousand three. Um, I was uh, laid off from a job. I was working at, um, at Citigroup. And, um, so, and my son at the time was 15 months old. So I started a blog called, uh, laid off dad. And, um, mostly it was a bunch of, uh, mom bloggers who had just kind of started out in this narrative medium of, of writing online. And I read a few of them and really, you know, come, came to like their work and respect their work, but there weren't a lot of dads doing that. There was like, you know, uh, dozens and dozens and dozens of women and like three dudes, but, um, uh, started blogging, started, uh, some of the moms and I, um, corresponded a lot and more dads got involved and I started attending some conferences and making some friends. And, and then before I know it, um, there, there was a conference called the mom 2.0 summit. And they said, you know, we really, we think there should be a dad conference, and um, and I agreed with them. I, luckily, I'd been friends with uh, the mom uh, creators for a while, and um, so uh, we had this idea: let's create this, um, let's have this this one uh, ballroom at Mom 2.0 that's only about dad content, and see where it goes. And it was, you know, standing room only all all weekend. So, uh, in April of 2011, um, my partner, John Pacini and I announced that, uh, we were going to create uh, the dad 2.0 summit and it was going to start in 2012 in Austin. And, um, you know, nine years later, here we are about to, um, have our ninth event, um, in, uh, in DC, uh, in February of 2020. Yeah, that's incredible, dog. I'm going to circle back to the summit in a second here, but, um, how did the experience of becoming a father kind of change your perspective on life? Well, it kind of, for me, it was, uh, it was kind of the realization of a dream I think I'd always had. I think, I mean, I'm an oldest child. I'm kind of a caretaker type. I've always taken care of my younger brother and sister, or at least felt like I did. But, um, when my ex-wife met me and she looked at me and said, you are definitely a family man without the family. Um, and that's kind of stayed with me my entire time. That's kind of why we're still friends now, because I think, you know, we were we were good friends first uh, before we got married, and then uh, we were married nine years. Um, and even though uh, the marriage broke up, uh, the kids are close. I mean, the four of us, you know, we get together a lot. Um, you know, we're trying to shepherd our older son for his uh, his his college search. Um, so really, it, it feels very familial to me. It's just two different households. And um, but yeah, the moment uh, my older son arrived. Um, that was, you know, I, I had a, I mean, I had a lot of, uh, I didn't have a whole lot of goals in my life. I mean, I wanted to build a relationship, uh, and a family and I, uh, I, I, that didn't work out as well as I liked, but I still have two sons. I, I love, but I also happen to like, and I think, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to like your kids. You have to love them, 
but you don't have to like them. And, and the fact that I like them, I think is, that makes me happy and kind of looks as though that any marriage that created these two terrific kids couldn't have been, you know, could have been, must have been worth something. Yeah, very well said. And you got into the blogging game, you know, very early on here, and so much has changed uh, technology-wise and just the way we do everything now. Uh, how much is the blogging still in effect today? As we now, I know we have podcasting that's big. Uh, you certainly YouTube has exploded uh, since 2005. Uh, how relevant is the blogging game today? Well, it depends on how you look at blogging. I mean, the written word itself, I mean, that's definitely uh, – um, I mean, it, it owned the entire narrative space when, when blogs first broke out, you know, 15 years ago or so. Um, and even though the, the, and the technology has evolved as well. So even though now we've moved on in many ways to video and, and now podcasting, I mean, the urge, the, the narrative expression isn't changing. You know, I just think that's, uh, it's the, um, the, the medium. And uh, truth be told, in fact, you know, we were talking a lot about, about podcasts. Uh, in our fatherhood on Friday column this past week. And, and um, it's really people talk about how great podcasting is in terms of expressing yourself and meeting people that you wouldn't have normally known. And I mean, that's the same thing that blogs afforded all of us old school guys a long time ago. I mean, I think people are having the same revelations. It's the same cycle, but in many ways, I mean, I think podcasting is a much more intimate medium, you know, I mean, the written word as great as it is. And as much as I love it, when it comes to narratives, it's kind of sterile, you know? I mean, uh, just like when you text with somebody, that's you're using like 7% of your ability to communicate. You know, there's no inflection. There's no body language. There's no, there's no uh, subtext. It's just it's very straightforward and, and limiting. And so when you can create a vlog or a podcast and you can express yourself in a much more intimate uh, yet expressive way, um, that's actually an improvement. So, um yeah, I think the 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 technology is evolving, but the urge to be a narrative storyteller is is as strong as ever. It's just finding new ways to uh, come to fruition. Yeah, definitely, I agree there. And, and the Dad 2.0 Summit has been a success here. What seems to be the most common issues that come up amongst the dads at the summit? Well, it's interesting. You know, we have a whole spectrum of of fatherhood experience that attends, and I think that's one of the main goals that dad 2.0 um, wants to um, wants to achieve the whole idea of recognizing that the stories of fatherhood are far more uh, interesting and variegated and, and the spectrum is much wider than than people think I think just because there are fewer men writing about it um, but men have complex issues they go and there's plenty of them you know there's obviously there's there's, there's divorced dads like me uh, and single dads, uh, like, you know, who have much more fraught relationships with their exes, uh, gay dads, dads of color have got, uh, particular issues that they're trying to conquer and, and, and stigmas they're trying to overturn. Um, and, you know, infertile dads, uh, dads who, you know, who, who, uh, foster dads, um, people come with their own, um, with many of their particular issues that we, then we manage to talk about a lot of them every year. I mean, the narrative thread throughout, I think, is just struggling to be the best dad, struggling to be taken seriously as a dad. Um, and uh, if, if you're if you're a working dad, um, the whole idea of of taking men seriously as caregivers, so that if when it's time to take paternity leave, that's a viable thing. That's you're not just there to to help out, you know, your partner who just had a kid. I mean, obviously, she's going through a lot. Again, assuming you are in a man-woman relationship and you're in, and your partner is a woman and she just had a kid, but uh, 
um, any any family that welcomes a new kid into their lives needs time to adjust, needs time to bond with the kid, needs time to to uh, to incorporate this life change. And uh, that's what dads come to Dad 2.0 to talk about, what that experience is like and how it's, you know, you can't just get by with a stoic approach of like whenever you're emotionally um, um, motivated to do something, you can't just kind of ignore that and rub dirt on it and walk it off. I mean, you have to acknowledge that this is a this is a big deal. So let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah, very well said, Doug. And I'm glad to see that there is something like the Dad 2.0 that has been so successful here because just like you with the blogs, when I first looked at the podcasting, at the Parenting Podcast, it was overwhelmingly dominated by mom podcasts, and it was uh, nowhere near as many dad podcasts. And we do. We all go through the same issues, and we never have the same experience. Even though we're all dads, there's a billion of us on the planet. You know, we all have these different isolated experiences, and it's great to get a chance to listen uh, to what other fathers are going through. So um, I, I think it's awesome that there's so many out there. And I talk about on the show a lot here, it seems like, uh, you know, I call it an attack on the family life, but it's more on fathers in general. Like, we never see the mother portrayed on a TV show or in the movie as a weak character, the way we do see that with dads. And I think that we definitely are facing a fatherless problem in the country here as far as too many kids growing up without a father in the home. So uh, what do you think? You know what? What needs to happen in this country to to lower that number of fatherless households in the country here? Well, I think uh, when you look at uh, when uh, if there's a culture of fatherlessness, I mean, you want to try and get into the the heads of the fathers who are no longer there, and see what kind of uh, examples they're um, they're reacting to, and what, what examples they're drawing from. What makes them, uh, in many cases too scared of the responsibility or too uh, convinced they can't handle the responsibility or unwilling to accept the responsibility. Usually when they're unwilling to accept something, it's because they're really worried they can't handle it. And it's hard. I mean, being a parent is difficult. But what we're doing now, the narrative is shifting now. As we say, you know, for example, paid leave is not to help mom. Paid leave is to bond with your kid on your own terms. You know, um, when you and and a lot of what we talk about at the conference too is that you know we're we're all about disrupting gender stereotypes and in many ways those are those are fallen pretty far anyway the idea that men have to work and women stay home i mean assuming you can even get away with one uh income nowadays um but the fact is you know younger couples don't even care um you know um you know about what a man does what a woman does what a non-binary person does it doesn't matter i mean if there's if there's a family unit based on a, a, a love for each other and a desire to nurture kids then um then let's you know let's not decide who does what based upon you know what what's always been the case i mean play to your strengths i mean if my if my ex and i were still together uh i'm sure i would probably be the one who'd spend more time at home uh and um that's the way younger couples are acting now. And I think that's the bottom line is to recognize that these families are partnerships. And when, when dads plug into networks and plug into communities, they get the encouragement they need to hang around. They need the encouragement, the education they need to recognize that if you have a child, this is what you can do and it's doable. Um, and I think by taking out that fear element and, and reinforcing the whole idea that, you're not alone out here and you have help and you have resources. 
that's what's going to get, I think, more dads to stick around and recognize that being a dad is the best thing that can happen to somebody. Yeah, and, and it would be the best case scenario. And I, I know that we do see it a lot of times where we have that stigma of when, you know, somebody sees their father out at the supermarket or something like that, say, oh, hey, you're babysitting today or you're giving uh, mom a break. And it's, and that's one of the taglines I say constantly on the show is that we're not babysitters. And, and I know that, you know, we're in, the, we're in a world now where everybody, you know, we want everybody to be treated equal, and that's what we're striving for. But yet it's still in the eyes of the court system when it comes to divorce, um, it's nowhere near equal, and most most men are starting from underneath the bus. That's their starting position, and they have to fight for every little scrap of time that they get. And I know that for some guys, it costs them a ton of money. It, it really uh, it, it shames them a lot because a lot of things come out, and, and sometimes they get so sick and tired of what's going on with the divorce that they'll throw their hands up and walk away from the family. And it could be you know a, a good dad that that's losing out here uh, on being involved in their child's life. And you've been through a divorce yourself, so I mean. What needs to happen here divorce-wise to keep the father-child relationship strong as it would be normally? Today's podcast is being sponsored by Podcorn. Podcorn is the marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities, such as host-read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. With Podcorn, there is no middleman. Podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform. Their marketplace mission is to give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control over how and when we monetize. I signed up and scored a sponsorship right off the jump, and you can too. Click the link in my show notes and sign up to Podcorn and start browsing the sponsorship opportunities available today. What needs to happen here divorce-wise to keep the father-child relationship strong as it would be normally? Well, the great thing, actually, we wrote about this about two, three weeks ago, the whole idea of how the National Parents Organization uh, evaluates um, the, the statutes of all 50 states uh, in terms of the language that they particularly specifically include uh, as far as custody goes. And there are... There have been market improvements. I mean, I think it's one thing to talk about let's have dads portrayed more credibly on television. Well, that's kind of been done. I think the doofus dad is is recognized as a stereotype that doesn't hold a lot of water anymore. And, you know, the bigger deal is to talk about what's new in legislation. And um, like in Kentucky and Arizona, for example, these are the two states that got A ratings by the National Parents Organization because they have introduced uh, statutes that particularly call for not just shared parenting after divorce, but equal parenting. Now, you know, then what that basically means is for the longest time, you know, when a couple split up, um, you know, the default setting was let's get closer to mom and make the dad pull back to even as best as much as possible. Just again, because of the stereotypes of whether a dad could take care of his kids by himself, but that's changing. And, and as more data comes out that says, to alienate your child from either parent is essentially child abuse. It's, you know, every, every study you talk to, every study you look at, every professor you talk to, every, anyone who studies this you talk to will say that exposure to both kids is the best scenario under ideal circumstances. Like every split up is different. And, you know, I, we can't say that it should be even all the time, but that's where the default setting should be. Let's start in the middle and then see where this relationship, where this, where this uh, um, setup needs to go, rather than make it the default setting be 
let's assume mom takes most of the responsibility and then pull, and the dad needs to yank back to, to neutral. That's not good for either parent, and that speaks to a, a broader sense as well of, of how if, if moms are, are held responsible for all the parenting, that puts undue pressure on them. That's, an, that's a high bar they don't need or deserve. It leads to gatekeeping. You know, it leads to, look, if I'm on the hook for this, then I'm going to make sure I do it right and keep you away. And that's not healthy either. So, but there have been nine states who, that have enacted um, extraordinary legislation that have empowered dads to have a, a greater sense of, of what happens uh, after a split. And uh, I think that's a, that's, a, that's a great motivator. That's a great trend. And I think it's bound to continue, especially when more dads write about their experience from the heart and and more courts recognize that fathers are invested in this and and fathers are capable caregivers and that couples should can and should figure out how it's how best for both parents to be a part of the kids lives if the marriage craps out yeah well said yeah and i think we see it just like you said there in the statistics that show you just the, the overwhelming uh, uh trouble that comes from children growing up without a father's influence in their life or a father figure in their life whatsoever I mean, we see it all the time, just a higher crime rate, drug use, teenage pregnancy. I mean, I'm sure you know the, the gamut of the numbers there. And It's um, shocking, and, and, isn't it? It's like not it, only is it great for a kid to have a dad, it's terrible for a kid not to. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's great that there's progress being made, which I think is the case all the way around, and, and hopefully the trend continues. And you being, uh, you know, a divorced dad yourself, what has been the most challenging part of that for you to be, a, you know, a divorced dad? Well, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, I consider myself, you know, lucky in the sense that uh, my divorce was mostly amicable. You know, we didn't, we didn't have to involve the courts. We, uh, we, uh, we mediated our divorce. And so, I mean, neither one of us wanted uh, the kids not to be a part of each other's lives. We just, we just didn't want to be married anymore. Um, and that's not, you know, that's not a common thing. And so I, I know I come from a very particular place. But that said, it's still a challenge uh, not to see your kids as often as you'd like. You know, I mean, there are just times when um, your kids are in another household and you have zero authority in that household. Um, and so, you know, so that's been kind of that's that's always been a challenge for me because, you know, being around my kids is, is great. I mean, now that I know one of them's about to leave for college and the other one isn't far behind. I mean, we're in a different place now, but um I mean, one of the things I was able to work out, I was working as a teacher at the time when we split up, and so I had my afternoons free. So I saw my kids every afternoon, and that was a non, that was a, a no-brainer uh, in terms of, um, you know, of, uh, how this uh, post-marriage situation was going to work, and she was fine with that. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just that, you know, there are times when, you know, you have to, you have to pick your battles. Like in any, even if your marriage is still together, you have to pick your battles. In fact, I would say, you know, because of our divorce, you know, uh, my ex and I have a marital agreement that we worked out throughout our mediation in terms of where the kids have to go and all that stuff. And the goal is to make that and then never have to use it. And for truth be told, if it's sat in a drawer now for 11 years and we haven't really had to deal with it much, um, and frankly, that's, I think every married couple should have one of those. I mean, if there's, if there's a dispute between a married couple and it's like, no, 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 we agree to do this. I mean, how cool would it be to be able to pull a agreement out of a drawer and say, uh, no, I'm sorry, it says here right here in paragraph two that we're going to my mother's house for Christmas. You know, I mean, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great thing to have, I have to say. 
Yeah, it, it sounds like it. And how about as far as it, when did you feel comfortable? I know for a lot of single dads, they have different um, um, benchmarks for this, but when did you feel comfortable in a new relationship? At what point would you have to get to to introduce your kids to a new potential spouse? And did you work out an agreement with your wife as far as how that goes where uh, same thing with her, uh, you know, introducing the kids to a new spouse? Well, again, that's the, one of the things that uh, I think, I don't know if that's much of an enforceable rule. I mean, I, I think, you know, we we talk about it a lot. Um, and it's interesting. That's that's the challenging part. Um, you know, I, I've been in a couple of relationships with women that my kids never met. Uh, just because um, it was definitely, I think for me at least, I know there's a very particular threshold I want to get to before I even involve them uh, in, in, in a relationship that I have. Um, and the fact is, you know, I, I, it's interesting how my viewpoint has evolved because in the past I was like, let's keep that separate. And when my kids were younger, they actually were, you know, I know a number of them. I know I, I have a, you know, my dining room table. I remember I, I, it has four chairs. I remember we had a small table with three chairs in it and I upgraded to a bigger table with four chairs. And my kid, my younger son was like five at the time. He said, what's that fourth chair for? you know, and he was very possessive of, possessive of me. And so I kind of wanted to keep that in the background. And, uh, but now the kids are dating themselves, you know? And so I, I, that's a totally different thing now. Now I want to model something better than, you know, obviously my, you know, my ex and I are cordial, but it's, it's negotiation. It's, it's sterile in a way. I mean, you, I want to pattern what it's like for a man to, you know, to, to love somebody, uh, for, for my sons. And, um, so, yeah, and the next, you know, I'm between relationships now. So, I mean, I think if I ever get to the point when the next person comes along and I feel there's a real comfort level there, um, you know, there'll be an introduction and so forth. But I think, um, I don't know, I didn't want to show my kids, you know, a kind of a, I mean, not that my life is a revolving door, but if it were, I would kind of want to keep that from from the kids in that way because I kind of want to be a sense of uh of normalcy in a way. I mean, I think when you get divorced, the whole idea, you know, the, the fall, the, the floor has fallen through on your kids when you divorce. And so my goal has always been to rebuild the floor and tell them it's not going to break again. Yeah. Very well said. Yeah. I would imagine that that is one of the most difficult things of it is to, to try to manufacture your own relationships while, while dealing with, you know, being a dad and, and with your ex-wife and all that. So uh, I know yeah. it's a, struggle. a lot of plates in the air. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I believe so. Well, listen, a lot of my listeners, well, pretty much all of my listeners are dads. Uh, many may be interested in attending uh, this year's summit. If they want to find out more information about it, where can they go and what can they expect when they get there? Well, uh, the uh, the main website, of course, is, uh, is dad2summit.com, dad and the number two and summit, and that's where all of our social ass, uh, assets are, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, Facebook is more of a community. You know, people who've attended the conference, they talk about, uh, their presentations and so forth and follow up afterwards. There's a lot of networking there. A lot of people meet up at the conference and do business with each other further on. So Facebook is a great spot for that. Um, and Twitter, we spent a lot of time kind of elevating stories that I think deserve more oxygen than they get because there, it's, there's a lot more money in riling people up than making people recognize that there's a lot of great stuff going on. So, um, you know, if a, if a dad turns his son's crib into the Millennium Falcon, that's a fantastic story. And that's something that's kind of unique to a father's influence in a way. So I kind of want to elevate stories like that, stories about 
uh, fathers sacrificing extraordinarily for their children, recognizing there are a lot more stories like that, like that out there than a lot of people, I think, think just because of the way uh, our, our media landscape has been shaped over the last few years. So Twitter is more about that. Uh, and many of those stories get um, the, 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 are condensed into our um, our fatherhood on Friday column, which is basically a, a news story that's most important to dads. Um, and uh, and then farther down, uh, more stories about you know um, throughout the week about things that dads have done and seen and experienced. Uh, and then Instagram is just celebrating. There's so many dads on Instagram. If you haven't been exploring Instagram, just use the hashtag dad life and look around and see how many proud fathers of every kind post pictures of themselves and their kids. Um, it's a huge medium for, for how dads are, are changing the narrative that way. So, um, that's kind of what our social platforms are about. And then once you get to the conference itself, I mean, we, we talk a lot about, um, influencer marketing and the whole idea of, Maintaining these narratives includes finding a way to subsidize them. And so we work with brands a lot uh, who try to, um, you know, support, who are submitted, uh, committed to supporting dads and their narratives and how that's important to kids. I mean, cause marketing is a very, uh, very big uh, deal right now. In fact, our longtime partner, Dove Men Plus Care, has, um, they've just gotten some Sabre awards for their work in cause marketing with paternity leave. And so there's, we fit in very nicely with that, but the whole idea, even if you want to work with a brand, before you even do any of that, you kind of want to figure out how best, how to be the best writer you are, how to be the best father, and how to be the best man. So we talk about all kinds of stuff in the breakout sessions. We'll talk about men's health, talk about the challenges of fatherhood, of single fatherhood, of um, of married fatherhood. Um, you know, we'll talk a lot about uh, health issues, depression. Um, and things that society is only just starting to come around and recognize are a big deal that men know are important and yet, um, you know, don't get talked about nearly as much. So, I mean, we, you and I both know it's as challenging as ever to be a man in this day and age. And I think as we find the new way, um, the best way that's going to come about is to, is to talk about it and spread the word. Yeah, awesome. And I'm definitely, I'll be including a, a link in the description of today's podcast episode so all my listeners can tap the link and over there find out more about uh, the Dad 2.0 Summit and more about your social media and everything that you guys are doing. I just recently had uh, Ronnie Lott on the podcast. We spoke at the conference last year. He had nothing but wonderful things to say about the, uh, the conference. So um, I wish you the best of luck with it. Last thing I want to hit you with here, Doug, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad? or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? I think it's a fantastic time to be a dad when you think about all the resources that were around, that are around now, that weren't around 15, 20 years ago. You know, I mean, I think in a lot of ways, all we had was the one book by Armin Brat, you know, The Expectant Dad. And Armin's a great guy. He's come to the conference many times. He's a, he's a friend. He's a podcaster. And... uh but he was the only game in town, and he did a great job, but it was woefully, as, as great as his book is, that's just woefully inaccurate in terms of, or uh, insufficient to talk about the full spectrum of the fatherhood experience. Um, so, yeah, find find your people. Recognize that there's a, you have a lot of help. There's a lot of resource out there specific to what a father goes through. And uh, if you have questions, there are lots of answers out there. So find your people take a breath and get ready for the best ride of your life.
Yeah, very well said. Uh, great message. This has been a lot of fun for me. i got to say, Doug French, you're a first-class father all the way, and thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on first-class fatherhood. I appreciate it, Alec. It was great talking to you, and I, I love your podcast, too, and I'm looking forward to, to seeing you down in D.C. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. i got to give a special thank you once again to Doug French for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. And make sure you are following me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace. I will be down in Washington, D.C. doing some live streams on my Instagram account from the Dad 2.0 Summit. Tomorrow on the podcast, we're going to have an awesome basketball player here. He is a four-time EuroLeague basketball champion. He'll be joining me here from Russia via Skype video, Kyle Hines. And coming Friday is a fresh Frogman Friday edition of First Class Fatherhood with former Navy SEAL J.P. Donnell. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. <laughs>